welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Endries. And I am Eddie Quinones. And everybody, welcome back. Yeah, welcome for week 12. Uh, I know, Eddie, I noticed last week that you uh, are on a lag based on the week that I report. So, like, you name the episodes on Spotify based on last week. I always name them based on the week the, ahead. Oh, we need to get okay. some concurrence here. <laughs> I think the, it's the a, biggest it's thing is because we're recapping, <laughs> recapping the prior week. So I no, I, I understand. It, but... Yeah, I understand. We just got to get some concurrence yeah. for next year. Because I always call it like like this week. I'm calling it week 12 episode. But then I think on Spotify, the next week in chronological order for your posts mm-hmm. would be week 11. Yeah. But nonetheless, this is our 12th episode of the season. Heading into week 12. And... On top of all the regular content this week, we're actually going to do some The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly Trade Edition. Do you guys have that to look forward to? We're going to keep it a little bit more brief this week since Eddie and I are both heading out um, to spend time with our families for the holidays. But we'll try to kind of bring back some of the other segments that we've done in the past before on next week's episode, like Player A versus Player B. I know we haven't done that yet this season, so I'm going to try to bring that next week. Yeah. Um, Let's jump into it. Let's get into the prior week recap, looking back at week 11, the namesake of the episode on Spotify. Eddie, give me your biggest upset. Uh, I actually had two for last week. Um, and one of them, I think Kyron over Sean. Uh, again, Sean's team did absolutely horrible. Um, and Kyron did really well. Obviously, Kyron, a team that's not contending for playoffs, but Sean kind of is. So that kind of hurts Sean a lot. Uh, in that middle packed area. And then I actually had you against Lucas against the league median. Um, Lucas just got right over you to take that, uh, that final spot in the league median win last week and you were right underneath him. So that was my second biggest upset. Yeah. I took a loss to the league median by 0.2 yeah. points. <laughs> it was unfortunate. Just a heartbreaker. I wasn't really expecting to get over the league median after Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott both had awful games. C.D. Lamb left in the first half with a concussion. I just kind of accepted that even though Jonathan Taylor snapped and scored over a third of my entire team's points, that it just wasn't meant to be when the rest of my team was struggling pretty hard. But then I went back and I checked at the very end of the week after Monday Night Football, and I I was starting to get a little excited until the very last matchup listed on my screen was Lucas versus Mike. Um, Or not, sorry, I'm looking at this week's matchups. It was Lucas versus you, Eddie, and Lucas ended up beating me for the sixth and final spot by literally 0.4 points. Um, so obviously the league median halfway between the two of us was 0.2 points ahead of me. So just a heartbreaker for me. That's a good uh, mention there. My biggest upset was for the second week in a row, God of the Super Saiyans, this time versus Randy Marsh. So obviously... Two weeks in a row now, I have picked Mike to take the honor of biggest upset. Um, although he did not pull off a 2-0 finish this week, so that's worth noting. But he did stave off elimination. He uh, he didn't necessarily make headway and vault up the standings. Um, but again, kept his season alive by getting the head-to-head win over Kevin, going 1-1 one one for the week. Um, and this matchup wasn't really an, you know, anything spectacular with only three total players across the two teams topping 20 points in their individual games. Those being Tyreek Hill and Keenan Allen on Kevin's side, which is obviously no surprise. And then Elijah Moore, who put up nearly 30 points on Michael's side. Elijah Moore has been a very nice late season find for Michael, which is exactly what he needed 
after kind of flirting with elimination these past few weeks. One thing that's worth noting, um, not necessarily from this matchup on its own, but just taking a look at Kevin's team, over the last seven weeks, his starting quarterbacks have only provided 20-point individual performances three out of 14 times. So I know Kevin doesn't like to trade, um, but I think each of us who have spent a decent amount of time in this league at this point have come to learn that this league is very much adapt or die. Uh, you just kind of have to trade to keep up unless you hit the lottery on drafting, which I would argue that Scott did this year. And even he continued to trade to try to improve his team. So it just goes to show you, even if you do an amazing job drafting, you kind of want to continue to improve your team, usually through the trade market. And you just can't get by and expect to win a championship with that kind of inconsistent play at quarterback in a two QB league. Like I said, out of the last seven weeks, obviously two QBs starting each week. So 14 opportunities to score over 20 points from Kevin's quarterbacks, only three times out of 14 as a quarterback on his team put up over 20 points. So he does have some heavy hitters at his skill positions, but his quarterbacks are kind of dragging him down, I feel like, from being a very top team in this league. Yeah, I agree. Uh, biggest takeaway, I'll go ahead and lead off. I have no idea who the number four, five, and six seeds <laughs> are going to be for the playoffs. So outside of the top three, um, I have no betting confidence in who is going to secure those remaining three playoff spots between Kevin, Damon, Nick, and Jake. No offense intended to Sean, Mike, or Lucas, who are not officially eliminated yet, but I think Sean's team is in an absolute pitfall that there's not going to be a 2021 return from. And I just think Mike and Lucas are too far gone to come back with how strong the previous four guys teams that I mentioned are. I honestly feel bad for whichever team ends up getting the boot in favor of the other three, because I think all in all, each of those four guys have talented enough rosters to warrant a playoff spot. Um, but I will say, since I know some out there may be thinking it, maybe you're even thinking it yourself, Eddie, this is why I much prefer six-man playoffs in a 12-team 12, uh, 12 league, because it's a more rigorous system that keeps you on the edge of your seat for the entire regular season as opposed to allowing you know anywhere from 60 to 70% of the entire league into the playoffs. I think the only format where there's a valid argument to allowing more than half of the league to make playoffs is kind of those keeper or dynasty formats so that more people are incentivized to, to buy and, and not necessarily tank and give free wins throughout the regular season. So. Yeah, and out of every season that we've had, I think this season's probably, it's been the most apparent. Um, in terms of keeping it at six and really staying with six compared to keepers going to like eight teams, total making playoffs. I think, uh, I think it's definitely going to make it fun for the next few weeks to figure out who's actually going to make it. I think the league median is going to play a huge portion uh, with those teams, figuring out who's actually going to make the playoffs and who isn't. So I agree. My biggest takeaway was something very similar and it was just kind of figuring out which one of those teams in that, that, that pack will actually continue from not just making the playoffs, but maybe a contender in terms of beating out some of the, the the higher teams. And I think that would need to happen soon and trades would would have need to have been done um, for some of those teams to really make that push. Um, but that's really just kind of my biggest takeaway is just really figuring out that middle piece and that, that middle portion of teams and, and seeing not only, okay, they're going to make playoffs. We don't know who, but they are. But can they actually contend at the highest level uh, against kind of the top two uh, three teams. So, yeah. And I'll tell you what, Nick 
has to be thankful for the league medium being incorporated this year because he would be four and seven if we did not include the league median as part of our standings. And that would put him only one game back out of sixth place, but you know, more realistically, he had he would basically have to run the table at this point mm-hmm. to 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 really guarantee himself that sixth and final playoff spot if we were not doing the league median. Luckily for his yeah. sake, I believe he is Right on the outside looking in, but like actually tied in record, the the tiebreaker being total points for. I'm not sure because I don't think we've gotten the standings graphic yet. just yet yeah. this week. But I know that he's hovering somewhere around six, whereas, like I said, he would be in eighth. Tied with Mike and Lucas and Kyron in head-to-head record with four and, you know, it being four and seven if we didn't yeah. incorporate the league median this year. So definitely uh, can paint a different picture. And I... I'm glad that we incorporated it. I think Nick's team is obviously deserving of being better than four and seven, given that his league median record is above 500. Yeah. Did you uh, give us your biggest takeaway? Was it just kind of similar? Yeah, it was very similar to to what you were saying. Yeah. Got it. So then that brings us to our top three standings update. No change from last week. Scott, number one, the Thundercats with an 18 and four record. He took a uh, a big two and a week by less than a point over Nick. And then there's me right behind him, Otis and the Bell Cows, or as Eddie likes to call them, the Cowbells, with a 15 and 7 <laughs> record. I unfortunately, like I said, or like Eddie has already mentioned, took a very slim loss to the league medium, but I was able to pick up the head to head win over JC, who is third, right behind me, Scooby and the Gang, with a 14 and 8 record. I think either next week or the week after, we're probably going to start shifting this top three standings update to kind of like a playoff hunt update, Mm -hmm. shifting toward that, you know, the four to seven seeds, see who's going to end up being eliminated. Like we talked about earlier, I think that'll make for more interesting conversation, but without further ado, let's get into some trade talk and it's going to be pretty expanded this week because after we talk about the one trade that's happened since last week's episode, we're actually going to talk about like I mentioned at the very beginning, the good, the bad, the ugly, looking back at the entire season's worth of trades so far this year. So since last week's episode, there's been one trade executed between Scott and Sean, and Scott gave up TJ Hawkinson, Michael Carter, Evan Ingram, and Devontae Freeman. Sean gave Mark Andrews and Melvin Gordon. Now, I'm going to share my initial thoughts on this before Michael Carter got injured. Obviously, it wouldn't be fair to judge this trade based on an injury that occurred after the trade happened. I think that this was a good trade. I made a somewhat similar offer to Sean, as I'm sure a couple other people did when he said that you know some of his top guys were on the block and he was looking for people that could help him and that were past their bye weeks. I would ultimately agree that comparatively speaking to my own offer, I don't know what anybody else's offer was. This was a slightly cheaper version of my offer and it accomplished I think what Sean was trying to set out to do and kind of the advice that I gave to his team generally last week, which is that he needs to shore up the running back position. I did not include a running back as part of my offer. Obviously I didn't ask for a running back either because that wouldn't make sense to weaken Sean's team even more. But I think that this made sense for Sean at the time. Take, you know, the tight end downgrade from Mark Andrews to TJ Hawkinson. There's a distinct downgrade there, but it's not anything crazy. Um, I think there was a little bit less of an upgrade from Melvin Gordon to Michael Carter than there was in the tight end downgrade. But nonetheless, I just think that Sean was looking for help, guys that were past their buys, 
in which case Melvin Gordon was on a bye last week. So Sean had no use for him to try to win and stay alive. Unfortunately for him, his team didn't perform well anyway, so it didn't matter. But I didn't think it was a bad move at the time, and I think it was a great move by Scott. This is yeah. one of the few moves, few moves, <laughs> gosh, few moves <laughs> that Scott could make to improve his already stacked lineup. So, um, yes. can't blame Sean for the move. Those, it, it was a great move for for Scott. What are your thoughts, Eddie? I, I also agree. I, I think these are two individuals that I rarely see ever trade with each other. Um, I just don't remember in recent history them really trading too much with each other. So when I saw this one come in, it was a little bit of a surprise. But again, like you mentioned, I think it was a great acquisition for for Scott. I think getting Mark Andrews, which is a top tight end, uh, and Melvin Gordon got him at a bye. Uh, so he didn't really need him. He's already playoff locked for the most part. And he just needs a little bit of depth for the playoffs. I think it's a great addition for him. Um, and then we mentioned last week also, we had conversations about Michael Carter um, and how we felt he was a really sneaky, good addition. Obviously, he's hurt now, like you mentioned, so that kind of sucks. But I think at the time, him getting TJ Hawkinson, Michael Carter, and Evan Ingram, um, and Devontae Freeman uh, was a really good move for Sean. Obviously, a little too late now. Michael Carter's hurt, um, so there's really not much use for him there. But overall, at the time, like you said, I thought it was a pretty good trade on both sides. Yeah, I... We've said it before, but I just don't think that this is Sean's year. Um, I threw my name in the ring for DeAndre Hopkins since he put him on the block this morning. Or, I'm sorry, I made a different offer to him because Aaron Rodgers is going on by. So I think I made an offer for Rodgers. But I'm hoping at this point, I tried to make all things considered a relatively fair offer. I think at this point, everybody knows that Sean has yeah. basically zero leverage left with his team. Being, I don't know, it's probably one and nine or zero oh and ten at this point over the last month plus. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's apparent at this point that John doesn't really have a lot of leverage to operate from. I'm hoping a people are still making all things considered within the same ballpark fair offers, and b yeah. hoping that kind of on his way out of being eliminated, assuming that that's what's going to happen. I think it's kind of safe to say that that's where it's headed for his team, that he doesn't load somebody else up right before he gets eliminated. I don't think that Sean would do that, but I'm just hoping that, you know, kind of on the way out the door that we don't see an uneven, you know, a wildly uneven trade that kind of catapults one team. Yeah. And I say that for myself included. I was in the same boat with getting close to eliminated. I had a lot of people reaching out to me. I don't, I didn't have any leverage. Obviously I'm, I'm pretty much eliminated from the playoffs at the time that these offers were coming in. I couldn't really leverage anything on my side. Um, and I really wasn't in the business to make anybody else's team better. So at that point, I just kind of came to the realization. I was like, okay, there's nothing here that's really going to help me make that push at this point. It's a little too late. Um, and it just, I just kind of cut myself off at that point. Um, and I only really looked at trades that were really even across the board that were like, okay, like this is an even trade. It wouldn't be bad for me. But at that point, I was just kind of in the mental of, Again, I'm not in the business to make anybody else's team better or help them win a championship. So, yeah, I'm de- yeah. we're definitely not telling Sean oh, what to no, do, no, no. and yeah. I have a lot of confidence in Sean that among all the managers in our league, he would be one of the last to take a deal that he knows yeah. isn't going to get him to the playoffs, but he also knows is going to help somebody else do better in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like in general, when you have one team with a lot of leverage, one team with no leverage. 
that's just the opportunity where some of them, you know, yeah. the most uneven trades can happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'll be interested to see what Sean does with DeAndre Hopkins because obviously to keep his chances alive, he can't eat the buys from his top players. DeAndre Hopkins is Christian Kirk also on buy this week, and he's been a pretty good player for him this season. Aaron Rodgers on buy next week. Top eight Packers defense is the only defense that he rosters. They're on buy next week. So Sean has a, a tough couple weeks coming up. I'll be curious to see whether he kind of takes the mentality of it's just not my year. I'm going to pack it in rather than, you know, I guess giving some extra yeah. to other teams or if, or if he's going to try to push hard and, and hopefully we'll see what he's able to pull off. Hopefully he's able to get something that, you know, truly does help his team. Yeah, agreed. But that is your trade recap since last episode, kind of a slow week. Let's talk about trades a little bit more. Let's look back at the entire season with the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'll let you lead us off with yeah. the trade that you picked for the good, Eddie. So this is actually, it, it is a, a particular trade, and it's a specific trade, but I think it uh, it kind of snowballed into a little bit more. Um, and it was a trade that you were involved relatively recently that kind of led to a lot of other trades being uh, kind of processed from your end. Um, but it was actually that Heineke... Uh, and Ravens trade for the Panthers defense kind of starting around there, around that period in time. Um, Cause not only did that set of trades kind of set up, obviously a really good system for you. You, you set up a pretty good farming system from that point, from acquiring a couple players um, and really continuing that process and continuing to make trades with individuals who you knew needed help in those specific areas. So you acquired a good defense there was a team that needed a really good defense. They had a piece that you wanted that you knew that you can flip for something else. Um, obviously a little bit of a spin for it, not exactly this specific trade, but I think it was just kind of like that run of trades that you went through uh, towards the end of October and earlier in this month. Um, so again, nothing too specific on, on that end, but that's kind of like the good for me, really the good of how trading should work and how it's how, how you did it at that point. So. Yeah, those are good thoughts. I did not even yeah. consider like taking that angle. So that's and that's my other two. My there. other two are more along the lines of what we normally do. But I really that's what kind of stood out to me at that point because it was just a great run of trades. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and we talked about it in detail last week. Yeah, exactly. Or at least I shared kind of my philosophy on it. So that's a good good angle to take. My pick for the good, and I actually had an honorable mention that I'll share afterward as well, but my pick was Damon giving up Deontay Johnson and Miles Gaskin and Nick giving up David Montgomery, Michael Thomas, and Dalton Schultz. So when I was looking back through the entire season's worth of trades, I noticed that there have actually been, and I feel like it's it's more than any season we've had before, there have been a lot of really good trades this season uh, where I go back and look at them um, and think, you know, this didn't age lopsidedly for one team versus the other. But I chose this one in particular because of the context of the teams involved at the time the deal was accepted. So I don't know if you guys remember, but Nick was really struggling early in the season. I believe he was sitting at around like four and eight at the time of this trade. But one thing that Nick understands, uh, and some others do as well, that is underrated is that sometimes you kind of have to swallow your pride and take the quote-unquote loss on a trade from a pure value standpoint if it positions your team better to make the playoffs. I told Nick at the time when he accepted this that I preferred Damon's return to his, but it didn't matter because Nick was a struggling team that had no use for an injured David Montgomery and Michael Thomas 
as long as they were sitting on his roster. So it was a good move by him to get healthy help. And it was a good move by Damon at the time, who was comfortably holding a spot high in the standings to gamble on better upside since he could kind of afford to eat those injuries. And another thing that I briefly want to mention before moving on from this trade is that Damon did a good job kind of hedging a Michael Thomas out for the season scenario, because I still think that he got enough back that the news of the Michael Thomas being out for the year with that ankle injury did not really age this trade very poorly. So I think kudos to Nick and Damon on this one, Nick knowing what he needed to get to, to kind of lift his team out of the pitfall. Damon, knowing that he was in a position to take a gamble on upside, but also covering himself in case that that risk of Michael Thomas not coming back this year, which ended up happening. Uh, My honorable mention, by the way, was an even bigger trade. It was Scott giving up Terry McLaurin, Stephon Diggs, Taylor Heineke, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Mike giving up Justin Herbert, DK Metcalf, and Jalen Waddell. So you'll kind of notice a theme. The picks that I made for this segment kind of fundamentally shaped the rosters of the teams that that made these trades. Obviously, Nick would not be where he is in the standings today if he held on to David Montgomery while he was out for a month, and Michael Thomas, who never ended up playing. Uh, and then Scott, his a key part of his loaded, loaded lineup is Justin Herbert and, and not necessarily taking too big of a downgrade from Stephon Diggs and Terry McLaurin to DK Metcalf and Jalen Waddle. This was before Waddle was a breakout and a clear wide receiver too, but definitely a good find by him. Uh, Eddie, do you want to give us the pick that you had for the bad? So this one, I'm, I'm going more so on at the time that it happened, looked horrible. The more that you actually look at this trade throughout the entire season and how some of these players have actually played out, not that bad of a trade, uh, considering, you know, some injuries and everything that happened. Um, and this was a trade that caused a lot of controversy early in the season. Um, and it was actually the trade with Nick and Michael that happened. So it was Michael gave up Washington's defense, Michael Thomas, Kyle Pitts, and Christian McCaffrey. And Nick gave up Ezekiel Elliott, Chase Claypool, Bill's defense, George Kittle, and Trey Sermon. Um, obviously a couple of those pieces on both ends absolutely are horrible. Uh, they didn't really do anything, but when you look at kind of some of those core pieces that were traded away and moved, um, after the trade itself, obviously Christian McCaffrey was out for an extended period of time. So he didn't really get the use out of Christian McCaffrey. Obviously it's a good piece to have later on in the season now that he's back still. And then Kyle Pitts actually moved his way up. He's a top eight tight end. He's been doing really well, but on the other end, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, top seven running back, he's turned it around. Uh, after those first couple weeks uh, this year. So he's done a lot better uh, since this trade has been processed. Uh, Same thing, Bill's defense, number two defense in the league. Uh, And then George Kittle was obviously out for a little while, but since coming back, he hasn't dropped under 13 points and he's had a touchdown in every single game um, that he's been in. So at the time that this trade did happen, it was very ugly. I don't think a lot of people liked it on both sides. It's just, it's one of those trades that just happens and it, it some people like it, some people don't care, and some people really don't like it. Um, I think this trade overall, just in general, is actually aged pretty decently throughout the remainder of the year. I think some of the core pieces have kind of regained some of their value and some have lost their value. So that's what I have there. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up that the age or the trade did end up aging, I think, pretty fine overall. Mm-hmm. I think injuries kind of yeah bailed out the ugliness yeah. of the trade. I agree. Um when I saw that Christian McCaffrey got hurt like the very week after Nick traded for him, 
my thought was good. <laughs> I think everyone's <laughs> reaction was good. <laughs> <laughs> so it ended up evening out. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad that it didn't age ugly. Exactly. So. It, it was going to be in it's, my ugly column, but when I looked at it, I was like, it actually, it didn't age out very ugly. It, it's like kind it's of funny bad, because was- you'd, you'd think that a trade that was picked for the bad got worse over time, but this trade actually yeah, got, got better, better over time yeah. and it still made the bad <laughs> on both ends. But it was yeah. just one of those trades that when it initially happened, it was just like, okay. Yeah, that was, yeah. that was not good at the time. Yeah. Uh, my pick for the bad was Scott giving up Mike Williams and Philip Lindsay and Jake giving up Rondale Moore and Jamal Williams. So when this trade happened, Scott, likely thought that he was selling high on Mike Williams. And while he was partially correct, since Mike Williams kind of came back, came back down to earth somewhat after hanging around the top five wide receivers for a month or so, the return would have been much higher had this deal not gone down when it did. Scott's team is clearly not hurting without Mike Williams. And I can only imagine how good it would be today if he sold Williams at peak value. But this was a great grab by Jake on the cheap. Unfortunately for Scott, um, but fortunately for the rest of the league, this trade aged poorly for him. So that was my pick for the bad. Yeah, and that, that was actually another one that I was kind of looking at there uh, just because obviously Mike Williams was on a tear first, like what, two, three weeks. And then after that, he just hasn't really been doing very well. He's had decent games here and there, but but yeah. Eddie, I have a funny feeling that we're going to have the same pick for the ugly, but I will let you claim stakes first. Give me your pick for the ugly. No, nah, go ahead, brother. You got it. All right. <laughs> My pick for the ugly is Eddie giving up Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick and Mike giving him Calvin Ridley. So <laughs> this was the obvious choice for me, even though I'm not high on Washington's backfield for as low as I am on Gibson and redraft format. He's still a running back too. And Ridley is an absolute zero and he will remain as such in this league, at least uh, since Eddie is already eliminated from the playoffs. So in the famous words of Aang, the last avatar, when the world needed him vote most, Calvin Ridley vanished. So ultimately I'm not sure that Ridley being healthy would have done anything more for your team than delay the inevitable, given how bad Baker Mayfield has been. And given that Camara is now approaching three games missed due to injury, but this still hurt you badly, given that your back was kind of already against the wall when this news came out. So it was a lucky trade for Mike. Unlucky trade for you. That's my pick for the ugly. Agreed, agreed, and agreed, and agreed. That is exactly what I had. Um, I thought at the time, okay, I'm adding some really good wide receiver to depth here. He has, in that offense, he has a chance to really maybe peek into that wide receiver one area, but really not going to, I don't really, I didn't really expect it with Pitts in that offense now. Um, so I was like, okay, wide receiver two. Antonio Gibson hasn't been doing very great. J.D. McKissick has been taking away all the limelight at that point in time. Um, and he just wasn't healthy. So I was like, you know what? Let's do it. Calvin Ridley's healthy. Obviously, physically, he was healthy. Um, and it just absolutely just went the complete opposite direction that I expected it to. He stepped away for mental health reasons, which obviously – all power to him. I mean, obviously that's above fantasy football, but for me, in terms of my pride in my lineup, it, it hurt a little bit. So, yeah, that was a tough one. Totally yeah. out of anybody's control on both sides. Yeah. So, but that is our, are the good, the bad, the ugly trade edition segment. 
Hopefully you guys liked it. Let's get into matchup preview looking ahead to week 12. I'll lead us off. My best matchup. Claiming my own for once here. Maybe I have in the past, but I feel like I don't often say my matchup is the best. Yeah. Thundercats versus Otis and the Bell Cows. The number one seed versus the number two seed. Unfortunately, neither team will be at full strength as Scott is going to be without Kyler Murray, who's on bye, and I'm without Amari Cooper and potentially C.D. Lamb, who is out due to a concussion currently. He might clear protocol and come back in time. Amari Cooper is on the COVID uh, injured reserve or whatever it's called in the NFL. So he won't be playing tomorrow night. But nonetheless, we're pretty evenly matched, and this should be a fun matchup to watch. There aren't too many implications based on the outcome of this matchup, unless you're JC, who is presumably rooting for me to lose so he can have a shot at jumping back up to the number two seed. But I think Scott and I are, are kind of separated from everyone else not named JC in the standings at this point. Yeah. Who's your best matchup? I honestly, I was trying to look to see really what else in the league would, would be a fun matchup to watch. And I think this is obviously the top one. Um, the two top teams kind of duking it out uh, this week. I think the winner, whoever wins this along with the league median um, will either it'll actually, you're still out of reach, but it puts you a little bit closer. Even if you went two and O and he went Oh, and two, uh, it would put you, I believe at 17 and seven and he'd be at 18 and six. Um, so fundamentally it doesn't really change anything in terms of the top two standings, um, but it could bump you down if you were to lose. Uh, if JC were to win, league median uh, and his head to head and you were to lose both Oh, and two um, it would kind of shift those, those standings up from second or third place. But uh, yeah, I think this is a really fun matchup to watch. Uh, like you said, you both aren't really at full power uh, this upcoming week. You both have some injuries and some things that are holding you back either way. You're both still projected to put up over 165 points. So at that point <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Um, but I think it'll be a really fun matchup to watch coming into this week so and then honorable mention i actually had uh jc versus kyron um just because kyron's team has actually been doing really well over the past few weeks um obviously he's out of playoffs but he can kind of mess up jc's third place seating uh and kind of pull him down a little bit more from where he's at or kind of hurt his standings a little bit um but I think that, that that might be a fun one. Obviously, I think right now it's like a 20-point swing. But every time Kyron's had a, a projection of like 120 or 130, he scored like 150 or 160. So. Don't jinx him. I want I him know. to be JC. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, um, that's my honorable mention. Yeah, that's a good shout out. My thing to watch for this week is the end of the season for multiple teams, it's very likely that the loser of Michael versus Lucas will have their team officially locked since they're both sitting at 13 losses. Obviously, an 0-2 week from either one would lead to their team being locked. But I'm also looking at Sean's team here because I think if he drops to 10-14 and 14 this week, there is no coming back from it. His team yeah. just is not strong enough to run the table with you know, his back against the wall. So I'm thinking... Whoever loses between Michael and Lucas, they're you know I'm I'm guessing what they'll go zero and two. Their team will be officially locked. But again, if Sean goes zero and two this week, his team won't be locked. But I think that that's that's it for him. Um, so that is my thing to watch for. What are you looking for this week, Eddie? I think it's uh, over and this week, and honestly, kind of into the the next couple of weeks coming is kind of some of those teams out of playoff contention, if they can really compete and shake up the standings kind of near the middle to the top of the, the standings right now. Cause I know a lot of 
teams that are out of playoff contention play some of those teams that are in the four, five, six area, or and even some two and three. Um, obviously, the, the first and the second seed are going to be a little bit tougher. I mean, you and Scott have some pretty complete teams from top to bottom for the most part. Um, granted, with some injuries and stuff like that, it might really restrict how strong your lineup is, but still. Um, but I think anywhere from like three to six is really – it can be – there. it's anybody's game from three to six for the most part in terms of a head-to-head win. Um, so it'll definitely be really interesting to see if some of those teams out of playoff contention can kind of shake some things up towards the end of the season. So. And you're looking for some upsets yes. from the non-playoff teams. Okay. Yeah. Let's uh, quickly go over matchup predictions. We're not keeping track of record because I took such a long stint off, but we'll bring that back next season. Um, nonetheless, I'm sure you guys are still somewhat curious to hear what our thoughts are on your matchup. So let's get into the first one. It is both of our picks for the best matchup of the week, Thundercats versus Otis and the Bell Cows. Who do you got in this one, Eddie? I'm actually going to go with uh, with your team here. Uh, while you do have some some questionables and some injuries, I think that your team can still kind of sustain that high level of play. I don't expect Russell Wilson to drop eight, five or eight points or nine points. Again, I think he's going to turn it around a little bit and actually kind of put up a decent amount of points or at least hit his his current projection. Um, and again, you have a, a few other players. Nick Chubb coming back is a really big piece for you. Um, Again, he's going to get incorporated to that offense like he never left. So he's probably going to drop anywhere from 20 to 30 points for the most part. Uh, obviously, you have some competition on the other end, but I, I like your your running back stack at your top two running backs and then at your flex. Um, I think that should help you out pretty decently. Obviously, the only piece that concerns me a little bit is uh, Dontrell Hilliard. Didn't mm-hmm. even know he actually played in the NFL, but that's his name. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, I, he dropped a decent amount of points. He had like 16 points last week or something like that. Um, this is his first game playing all season. So that's really your biggest question mark in your lineup. If he can if he can play decent and drop at least 10, 11 points, I think you have a really good chance here. So I'm going with you. Yeah, I'm still undecided on that flex two spot. Dontrell Hilliard had eight catches last week. That's kind of the primary driving force between why I'm Starting him is because he's, you know, their PPR back, so to speak, their pass catching back. Totally undecided. I'm really hoping that CD Lamb clears concussion protocol and I can slot him in. That would obviously be great for me. But if he doesn't, I'm not fully committed to Hilliard just yet. We'll, yeah. we'll see what happens. Um, but I actually ended up picking the same. I picked my team to win this, not confidently, but I think it's a very closely matched. Uh, week for me and Scott. So usually when things are very closely matched and a matchup that I am partaking in, I try to pick my team if for nothing else, but for the confidence factor. So yeah, our second matchup auto rocket versus the Rickest Rick, even though I think Damon is ahead of Nick in the standings, I might be wrong about that, but either way, they're both very close. Mm -hmm. I think that Nick is probably the favorite to win this matchup. But I'm picking what, in my mind, is the upset. I'm going with Damon, the Rickest Rick, to win this one. How about you? I agree. That's uh, I think uh, mentally in my head, I'm thinking uh, in terms of upsets and kind of what would be more fun to see. Uh, I'm going to go with Damon over Nick. Gotcha. The third matchup of the week is your matchup, Eddie. It's you versus Sean, the football heads. I think that Sean is is kind of opposite of Kyron right now. He was doing really well early in the season. 
He's on a crazy losing streak. Obviously, Kyron was doing awful at the beginning of the season. Now he's on a crazy win streak. I think that that continues this week for Sean. I'm picking your team, Eddie. One decimo magnifico. What do you got? I got myself. I think for the next few weeks, I'm here to crush dreams. So I'm trying to knock Sean out of playoffs. I'm trying to knock JC next week out of that top three seed. Uh, and then in the final week, I'm trying to knock you out of the top two. So we'll see. I'm just here to make some noise at this point. I, I'm going with myself. I'm all I'm all for it. I'm all for some <laughs> excitement late in the season. Yeah. Uh, our fourth matchup, Randy Marsh versus Penguins of Madagascar, two teams that are kind of in the middle of that standing scramble right now. I have Penguins of Madagascar pulling this out. He's been doing well lately. I think he's going to keep it rolling. What do you got? I actually have the same one. Uh, I think it's, uh, like you said, he's been on a pretty good roll. Uh, his team is really at a, a pretty good point right now. Uh, the only question mark, obviously, that I really have is Simeon. He's played decent. Hasn't played too bad. Last week, he dropped 24 points despite throwing two interceptions. Obviously, he had three touchdowns. Um, I just I just don't know how sustainable Simeon's play is and if it's going to be sustainable for the rest of the for the rest of the year. Um, but I do like uh, Jake's team from top to bottom here. So take Jake. Sounds good. Our fifth matchup of the week is Rolf Boy versus Scooby and the gang. That's Kyron versus JC. Eddie, who do you have in this matchup? I really wanted to pick Kyron here. Like everything inside of me wanted to pick Kyron. I think it'll be a fun matchup between these two, but it's just. Kyron's got some holes in his lineup that he he would need for them to absolutely blow up. Uh, he's got a couple of his guys that helped them over the past few weeks uh, kind of get some wins on bye weeks. He has James Conner on a bye week. He has Zach Ertz on a bye week. Um, Antonio Brown's not playing this week. So all those pieces not being there kind of hurt him. Um, so I'm going to go with JC on this one. Yeah, not to sound like a broken record, I'm pretty sure we've picked all the same so far, <laughs> yeah. but I also ended up picking JC in this matchup. I like the role that Kyron has been on, but you know, Dearness Johnson is probably not going to factor into this matchup this week because Kareem Hunt just got designated to return, so I would assume that he's going to be playing. So that's kind of a piece that's been doing well for Kyron over this this win streak that he's not going to be able to lean on this week. Not a major piece, but um, when you factor in that James Conner, who has been a major piece of Kyron's win streak, is also on bye this week, I think it's going to be a tough week for Kyron to keep it rolling. Um, and JC obviously has a very strong team. He's the top three in the league, so yeah. I picked JC to win this one. Our last matchup of the week, Hugh Neutron versus God's, sorry, God of the Super Saiyans. This is kind of the uh, winner-go-home game. So, or at least in my mind, it is. I'm curious to hear who you picked for this one. Um, I think both of the teams, when I really look at them, it's kind of like they have a couple strong pieces and the rest of that is just kind of like, eh. Um, but I'm actually going to go with you. With Kareem Hunt coming back this week, I think it's going to add a much-needed boost to his, uh, to his lineup. Um, and I think it'll, it'll give him just enough. Obviously, he's got a few other pieces in his lineup that are really going to help. He's got Baltimore versus Cleveland's offense, which they have been absolutely horrific. They have, they have not been doing very well, so I expect Baltimore to probably score 10 to 15 fantasy points on their defense. Um, but yeah, that's who I have. I have Hugh Neutron. Who do you have? We are picking all the same this week. <laughs> I also have Lucas winning this matchup. Um, I like what he has this week. Mike's lineup to me is a little bit shaky. Has I've I've kind of been I don't want to say lower on it than the rest of the league all season, but I'm just not 
I'm not high on any specific player that he has. Like, I'm not a, a Zeke guy per se. Yeah. And I think that that's probably his best player. So, who else does he have? He has Antonio Gibson, Elijah Moore, T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, Josh Jacobs. Like, these guys all to me, besides Ezekiel Elliott, like, are none of them are elite pieces. And yeah. I think that you need to have not just one, but a solid core of three to four elite pieces to to get a vote of confidence from me. Yeah. Um, and not to say that Lucas's team is insurmountable for Mike to beat, but it's just hard for me to look at Mike's lineup and be excited sometimes um, when we're picking in these matchups. I think that's probably hypocritical, though, because I picked him to beat Kevin in last week's matchup. Yeah. Who's to say? But those are our picks for the matchups this week. Eddie, I'm going to toss it to you for around the league and specifically the fantasy over-under segment. All right, so starting off at the very top, we'll do our fantasy over-under. So we have Russell Wilson uh, with a fantasy over-under of 18 points. Uh, Over the past few weeks, Russell Wilson has done absolutely horrific since coming back. Uh, He had 5.64 fantasy points two weeks ago. Last week, he had 8.48. And the game where he obviously got injured and he left, he only had nine points. Um, Has not been doing very sharp since coming back. He does play Washington's defense the worst defense in the NFL this week. So maybe a little bit of boost of a confidence, but what do you have for his, uh, for over under? You might be surprised to know that I actually picked the under here. Um, Obviously optimistic me wanted to choose the over, but I don't necessarily have sound reasoning to choose an over other than just hoping Russell Wilson is going to become himself again. Uh, But nothing that he has shown us since he's returned from the injury has indicated to me that like, oh, it's just this. And then once he gets over this and shakes off the rust, he'll be back to prime Russell Wilson. I think that it'll still happen, or at least I'm hoping that it'll still happen by the time playoffs roll around for us in fantasy. I'm just not necessarily sure that I can like predict it on a whim to happen this week when I haven't seen anything to indicate that it's going to happen this week. So long story short, I'm choosing the under here. I don't think he's going to score like five or eight points again, like you said, but if he cho- if he scored around 15 or less, like that wouldn't surprise me. I'm just hoping to get like 15 from him. I just need to see some signs of life from Russell Wilson at this point. Yeah. I'm actually going to take the over here. Um, I don't think I've ever seen Russell Wilson really play this bad before in recent history. Um, obviously, he's coming back from an injury and one of his hands. So that, that plays a little bit of a factor, especially as a quarterback. I don't, it wasn't, I don't believe in his throwing hand. So I don't think that was really what was causing the issue. It was actually. It was. Okay. So that's yeah, even, the middle finger of yeah. his throwing hand. Which that's actually even worse for you when you're throwing the ball. So I don't know. I still want to go with the over here. I just don't expect him to perform so badly for so long. Um, it's Russell Wilson. He's an athlete and a competitor. So I think he'll figure something out this week and, and hit the over. I think so. I'm going to tweet back at him from the. He made a tweet when he was ready to come back. It said, no more pin, time to win. I think I'm just going to tweet exactly that and tag him in it because I need <laughs> him to start stepping it up so that my fantasy team can win. It's starting to cost me some games. Yes, unfortunately. So, but yeah, well, we'll uh, hopefully he can kind of turn it around this upcoming week. I would love for him to turn it around just as a Russell Wilson fan. Yeah, me too. As a Russell Wilson fantasy manager. Yeah. (laughs) All right, next. Uh, I'm a week late on this one. Uh, I had predicted that this player was going to have a great game last week. Uh, One, I managed to not play him in one of my leagues because while I did believe the words that were coming out of my mouth at the point in time, 
when it came time to set my lineup, I just wasn't that confident. He proved me wrong. Uh, Cam Newton. Last week, I think he had like 30 points. Um, I have the over-under set for him this week at 20 points. What do you have? I, ha- I have the over because not that I think that Cam Newton is like back to a prime QB1 or high-end QB2 for fantasy, but because the league has limited film on him, um, the most recent film that they have on Cam Newton is part of the Patriots system, obviously, which is different. I mean, I'm I'm just stating the obvious here. It's different from the Carolina Panthers. So I think if for nothing else, um, based on the limited exposure that the league has to Cam Newton, I think that he'll be able to pick up fantasy points on the ground. I think he's good for at least one rushing touchdown. So I do think that he clears this 20-point threshold. What do you got? I also think he's going to clear the 20-point threshold. Um, Again, like you mentioned, the film is, that's on him is very old from this system. It was a long time ago. Uh, they, they ran him a little bit differently. I think they're using him really well right now within the Carolina system, and I think it's just set up for him to succeed, throw some easy passes, get him some red zone touches. Uh, he's going to get in the end zone either with his legs or he's going to throw the ball in there. Um, and it also helps that he has Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. So we'll go with the over. Yeah, I like it. Yep. All right. And last but not least, uh, we have Tom Brady with the over under of 22 or 23 fantasy points. He's currently the number two ranked quarterback. Uh, last time he dropped over 23 points was in week eight. So a few weeks ago, uh, he had a bye week. He had dropped 13 against Washington and then 19 against the Giants. What do you have? I have the under on this one. I kind of surprised myself with this pick because when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah, Tom Brady over 23 points. I know that he's been a top two quarterback all season. So, uh, But I picked the under here because, one, Indianapolis has a pretty good defense, but also Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are kind of dealing with some nagging injuries. I'm not totally confident that that means that they're going to miss this week's game. I don't think that they will. But I know that Rob Gronkowski is also dealing with a nagging injury, so I'm just kind of playing the game of odds here. And I don't want to say assuming, but thinking that it's possible that maybe one of those three guys misses this game. And I do think that Antonio Brown is definitely going to miss this game. He hasn't been on the field in basically two months now. Not to say that Tom Brady needs more than one or two guys to succeed. I just think when you combine the fact that you have a good defense in Indianapolis – and you have one or two guys that might be out for Tom Brady, and you combine it with the fact that he didn't play very well over the past two weeks relative to what he's been providing for fantasy all season, uh, I think it's easier to play better when you're already on fire. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think it's easier to stay hot when you're already hot. So it's kind of a coin flip for me. I ended up taking the under here, and I'm just trying to find a reason to justify it. What did you have? Actually, uh, I, I really was – I wanted to take the over, uh, but you just made some really good points here. Uh, I still think he'll drop 20 points. I just – that those three points is really what's getting to me. It's like, I just don't know if he's going to get over that 23 mark. Yeah, I can see him dropping 19, 20, 21. Uh, 23 is – it might be a little bit of a – a little bit high for me. I'm actually going to take the under here. I think it'll be really close. I think he'll drop anywhere, like I just said, anywhere from 19 to like 22 points. Um, but I just don't know if he's going to get over that 23 mark. So taking the under. The thing with Tom Brady is he's not going to pick up any points rushing. Yeah. So like he needs to pass for three. That's touchdowns. where that three points really comes in 
to me. Right. Like, a rushing like quarterback. That's... Okay. I, okay. I can justify those three points. Like he could probably get it somewhere in the game, but how many points is a hundred passing yards? Like four, something like that. It's like point zero zero one. No. Yeah. I, I don't, so I don't actually know what the for a hundred yards. No, it's not that much. Cause he I can't had... remember what exactly the scoring is. Let me look. But essentially, three points for a running back or for a wide receiver could be one catch for 20 yards or one 32-yard rushing attempt. For Tom Brady, I think he's going to pass. He, you know, you'd have to pass for like 150 yards or something if you're not scoring a touchdown. It's and that's point zero zero four. Point zero four. So okay, let me do the math on that. So 100 times point zero four. Four points. 100 passing yards is four points. So essentially, to to climb in a twenty point game from a quarterback is pretty good. Yeah. It's not amazing, but it's pretty good. Let's say Tom Brady already has had a pretty good game, and we're in the late third quarter. Either has to score or pass for another hundred yards to kind of climb up to that over twenty three. And he can certainly do that. Like that's not he could do that on, you know, a two minute drill. Not necessarily pass for a hundred, but drive down the field sixty yards and score a touchdown. It's definitely not without or you know outside of his skill set. It's just not a gimme like it would be for a skill position player to you know getting one to two touches on the ball. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, that that's our fantasy over under for this week. Let's wrap up this episode, this Thanksgiving week edition, with some news and notes. Eddie, let's start off with your favorite team, the New York Giants, who fired offensive coordinator Jason Garrett after 26 games with the team. First, I just want you to talk me through your thoughts on this as a Giants fan. God, he stinks. I'm so happy he's gone. I literally could not be more ecstatic. His play calling was absolutely horrible. I could go on the field and get a better game plan going than he could. Like, if you, I don't know if you watched any of the New York Giants football at all this not, year. Not really. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's an eyesore. It hurts to watch. Uh, th- there was a clip going around this past week after he was fired or like actually right after the game before he was fired about him drawing up a play had three crossers, all of them at the same depth. I think they were all like eight to 10 yards and all three of the guys were running into each other, like in the middle of the field, like who draws that up? Like that is the worst play call I've ever seen in my life. Um, Yeah. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense. I I don't know if Freddie kitchens is much better. If I'm going to be honest, he's going to be play calling now. Um, We'll see what he does, but I think the giants are good step. They're just becoming a pit for failed head coaches. Jason Garrett, Freddie yes. Kitchens. It's just not. I don't think it's a good, good thing. <laughs> it's not a good thing. Yeah. So, do you, uh, do you think that this is a sign for things to come? And I'm specifically asking about Daniel Jones. Do you think that his time to prove that he is the franchise quarterback is now? Is up? right now? Nope, it's right now. Because I think a lot of people set the blame aside to to the play calling. And Garrett, me being one of them, because when you play call, like when he actually has a good game plan, you can see Daniel Jones actually succeed. Like if you play to his strengths and you play to your team's strengths, it'll work. Like the system itself will work. The scheme, obviously, you still need a little bit of talent and it still needs to be executed. Um, but when you game plan to your team's strengths, it'll work. I don't think he did that very much. Um which kind of hurt us a lot. I think Daniel Jones, if you if you show him when the times where he actually has time to throw the ball and he actually has time to do the things he wants to do, he can play well. Um, so I think right now the only excuse that Daniel Jones had him 
was holding anyone back from saying, okay, he's absolutely trash at this point, was some people saying Jason Garrett was holding him back. So I think uh, Freddie Kitchen's play calling is going to play a pretty big part in figuring out whether Daniel Jones is going to be the franchise guy or not. Let's say they go 500 from this point forward. Do you think they move on from Daniel Jones? Not, I'm not saying do you think they will. Do you think they should move on from Daniel Jones? I think it depends on just the overall because we can go 500, but DJ can throw two, 300 yards, three touchdowns, but our defense can play absolutely horrible. So like, Let's just say average play on both sides of the ball. They go 500. Uh, think they move on. You think they should move on from Daniel Jones at that point? I don't know. Going 500 right now is better than we've done all season. So I really don't know. Um, we have two top 10 draft picks next year. If it stays the same, I think we do. If we stay with those okay. two top 10 draft picks and we're like five and six, I think, then I think we do move on from Daniel Jones and try to draft some. I agree. Else. I think it's. I think yeah. it's time. I think if unless he proves that he can be a winning quarterback this season. Not, not necessarily like have a winning record at the end of the season, but from this point forward, he is not a winning quarterback. I think it's time for the Giants. I think his, to his touchdown to interception ratio has to be three to one by the end of the season. He has to at least throw 250 to 300 yards, like decently. Obviously, that's like great statistics. That's like elite level quarterback statistics right there. But for him to really kind of stick around, he's going to need to get somewhere around there. He can't turn over the ball. I mean, yeah, he's, he just hasn't really been yeah. that good. Yeah. So you got to show something more than just mediocre. Exactly. Um, for our next piece of news, among many contributing factors to my loss to the league medium by 0.2 points, CD Lamb left Sunday's game in the first half with a concussion, and Mike McCarthy has said that he is about 50-50 um, regarding his chance to play this week. Do you think he ends up playing tomorrow on Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. Uh, so I think he might play. Uh, it's a pretty big game for the Cowboys. It's like it's like their favorite game of the year because um, they play every Thanksgiving. So I think there's a chance that he can play tomorrow. Um, I think they'll probably need him to play tomorrow just because obviously Amari Cooper's also out. So mm-hmm. it's uh, I would say I'd give it like an 80, 20 more than a 50, 50 that he plays tomorrow. I, I like those odds. Yeah. I, I really need him to play because yeah. I need, I, it's not that I need to beat Scott. I really want to beat Scott this week. It would be great for me. It's a good um, confidence booster. Yeah, and yeah. it gives me a shot at the number one seed where I think if Scott goes 2-0 this week, it's probably out of reach for me to get the number one seed. Yeah. Would be my guess. But how badly do you think that the do you think the Cowboys offense will be hurt tomorrow if he does not play since Amari Cooper is also out? I think pretty bad. Uh, I don't think Wilson's gonna do much on that offense to to help them do well. Um obviously you have Zeke, but Zeke can only go so far anymore um obviously he's been doing pretty decent but ever since he does hasn't had that tremendous offensive line in front of him he just hasn't been the same um so i i think they'll be hurting pretty bad if they don't have cd i think dak needs a consistent weapon to throw to and cd's the guy yeah they all have dalton schultz as well but dalton schultz is not like an alpha that's gonna get 10 targets a game or anything like that so I'll be interested to see if if Dak is kind of wide receiver proof yeah. if CD Lamb does not end up playing. Hopefully he does because yeah. I would love the uh, the CD Dak stack with Amari Cooper out with him getting hopefully all the targets at that. point. I will say this: whoever has Schultz will benefit That's very standing. much. Yeah, he'll he'll benefit if CD doesn't play because I think at that point Dak's probably going to start throwing the ball to him a little bit more just because he literally has nobody else to throw the ball to. So right. This last piece of news is kind of actually two pieces of news in tandem. 
It is Chris Carson who underwent season-ending neck surgery and the Titans waving Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Since these kind of are both related to murky running back situations on their respective teams, do you expect a consistently reliable running back option to emerge from either the Seattle Seahawks or the Tennessee Titans at any point um, rest of season? And to give you kind of an overview of who's who you got to work with or who you have to pick from, in Seattle, you have Alex Collins, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, Rashad Penny. <laughs> Literally four running backs. <laughs> yeah, it's too many. And then in Tennessee, you have Deontay Foreman, Jeremy McNichols, and now Dontrell Hilliard to pick from. You think that out of either of these two teams and any of the seven running backs that I just named, I'm not asking you to necessarily say who, but do you think that even one of those guys will emerge as kind of like a consistent, yeah, I feel like I could start this guy? No. I just I don't have any confidence in any of those running backs to really step up. Obviously, like a Dearness Johnson type situation could happen, and one of them could really just blow up in the middle of the game, and they're like, okay, we're going with this guy. But I just don't see any of those guys in my head that can actually make that happen um, within those offenses, just because, especially in Seattle, um, the wide receivers that Russell Wilson has are really good. Obviously you need to establish some type of run game to actually be able to pass the ball, but in their case, they're probably just going to be fine throwing the ball for most of the game. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't with confidence say that I can see any running backs coming out of these two backfields and taking it over. I agree with you. Yeah. I even removing yourself from having to pick a specific name, I just don't really see a scenario where any one of these guys becomes a, I don't want to say set it and forget it because that's, I think off the table at this point, Yeah. but somebody that you feel pretty good about if you have to start them in your lineup. Like, I don't think that we get that from any of these seven guys rest of season. Yeah. The only guy that I heard on that list that was like somewhat familiar was DJ Dallas. Obviously he's, I mean, he's played before and he's, taken that role before and he's done decent he hasn't done great so like maybe they go with him a little bit more just because he's he's kind of been in that system and he, he kind of knows it a little bit but other than that i just don't know yeah i'm in agreement um but that wraps up this 12th episode of the 2021 season happy thanksgiving to everyone hopefully yes. we're able to kind of get this up and posted so that some of you guys are able to enjoy it on your drive down somewhere if you have a long drive or drive back or even if you just want to take some time away from family this week chill out listen to some yeah. fantasy football talk hopefully you guys enjoy the episode yeah yeah really <laughs> play it in front of your entire family yeah hopefully you guys are able to have a uh, safe and happy yeah. thanksgiving with your families yes agreed uh, everyone have a great thanksgiving have fun shopping on friday stay safe um and good luck this weekend to all the matchups um but that being said everyone have a great uh thanksgiving e